0: The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations. By Ziptility, helping utilities capture more, better, and accurate data from the field. By Intera, geoscience and engineering solutions. By Xylem, let's solve water. By the American Water Works Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource. And by Black & Veatch, building a world of difference. This is... Is session 165.
1: Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now, here's your host, Dave McGibson.
0: Hello, and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey, and thank you so much for joining me. We have a terrific show for you today. We have Brian Iverson of Symbria Capital, who's going to talk about private equity and its role in the water sector, what he looks for uh, when they're investing in companies in the water sector. It's a fascinating look. At uh, the you know the kind of behind, pulling back the curtain on private equity investing in the water sector, and Brian does a great job provide specific examples of of companies they've invested in things of that nature. So it, you're really going to enjoy this, and I think uh, it'll be uh, a fascinating interview. We also have Reese Tisdale back for a Bluefield on Tap segment where we're going to talk a little pipe materials, specifically plastic, uh, and what that uh, what what some of Bluefield's research uh, looks like in that in that regard. Uh, before we get to Bluefield on tap and our fantastic interview with Brian Iverson, a little housekeeping first and foremost. Another hearty thank you to our sponsors. Again, they are Ziptility, Interra, Xylem, the American Waterworks Association, and Black and & Veatch. Thank you so much to those sponsors. And I'd like for you to do me a favor. If you work for any of your sponsors of these sponsors, or if you work with any of these sponsors, please thank them. Thank your boss. Thank your contact at the sponsor and tell them that you appreciate their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship. If you're interviewing for a job with one of the sponsors, again, please thank them and let them know your appreciation for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, You know, what better way uh, to express and demonstrate that you are plugged into the water industry than to let your interviewer know that you, you listen to the water values podcast and you appreciate their company sponsoring the podcast. So, Uh, Again, thank you so much to those sponsors. And as long as you're letting the sponsors know that you appreciate their support of the water industry, education, and thought leadership here on the Water Values Podcast, why not leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or whatever other podcast directory you access the podcast on. That'd be greatly appreciated and will help others find out about the podcast. Finally, thanks for those ratings and reviews. We picked up another five-star rating this week on Apple Podcasts, so thank you so much. Uh, please remember to rate and review the podcast, so thanks again. Uh, now it is time for Bluefield on Tap, where Reese Tisdale again talks pipe materials and plastics, so here we go. Well, Reese, welcome to another Blue Feet on Tap. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, Dave. How about yourself? Doing well, thanks. Uh, settling into uh, uh, getting ready for spring to, spring to get here. Uh, we finally have some sun uh, here where I live, I mean, it's been it's been a pretty great winter.
2: It's not. It's, it's been an in between winter, which kind of stinks. Either give me snow or give me. Snow. <laughs> but it's, the, it's right now in Boston. It's forty five degrees and
0: raining. Yeah,
2: so yeah, it's a little well, tough. So. Yeah.
0: I, I, ironically, the only snow that I appreciable snow we've had was uh, back in November here in Southern Indiana. So it's uh, it hadn't really been much wow. of a winter.
2: Yeah. So much i mean we've been skiing up north i was in maine last week skiing for a couple weekends and there was snow they got a foot of snow but i think after the rains today it's all washed away so yeah it'll be ice tomorrow <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah good deal all right well uh what's on your mind what are we talking about this week so
2: uh yeah we've got there's a lot going on as usual one thing you know, for those those of the listeners who may have already heard this, we put out a pipe report, underground pipe report, actually at the end of last year in Q4. and was looking at sort of capital expenditures for pipes, but more recently, it's just about to be released, was taking a deeper dive into the pipe market segment and really taking a look at materials and what the – If you want to call it market share of different pipe materials, whether it be plastics, that being PVC, HDPE versus ductile and and other in concrete, you know, how is that playing out? Because I think you've had guests on in the past that have, you know, have interest, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, interest in sort of what materials are being deployed for good or bad right across the municipal
0: landscape yeah yeah when you mentioned plastics i know that uh, andrew andrew welton who's up at purdue has been on because he's done a lot of research in that area What, what what what's caught your eye about the pipe industry well i think what's interesting is
2: you know our we have companies coming to us you know saying hey where's that change where's that threshold and what's happening over time and i think at the end of the day There is a change happening, and plastics are being more widely adopted, and I'm using that broadly. Like I said, PVC, HDPE, they're being more widely adopted across municipalities, but there's some nuances to that. And there are a host of older cities like, we'll say, Boston, Philly, New York, uh, Chicago, for example, but urban areas that they're going to rely on what they've been Uh, procuring or buying over time. They use ductile iron. They're going to stick with ductile iron. And in some cases, they may not even consider PVC as an option. There are reasons for that. One, you know, that's what they've done. That's what they understand. Secondly, these are underground, densely uh, uh, populated. I guess they're dense, you know, with other infrastructure, whether it be telecoms, whether it be gas, as well as water, wastewater. And so The any disturbances that take place may have greater, whether it be through digging or just you know, subways and other traffic above ground, may have greater impact on the local environment. So they're sticking with the ductile, but new property development, the economy is good, and I think that's a bigger trend that we're seeing. The housing starts are up, I think they're up about five point five and a half to five and a quarter over the past, you know, since from 2018 to 2019. So new build is happening, new suburban homes are being built, Exurban homes are being built. Property developers are relying on plastic. It's much cheaper upfront to buy and install plastic than it is ductile. Life cycle costs is a whole nother matter. But when it comes to that, so that is what, uh, so there's this transition happening as far as total market share, one versus the other, and it's going to take a long time. Our infrastructure is already in place. And so as a result, the PVC and plastic companies, chemical companies more broadly speaking, they are gaining share of a, of a, of a growing pie rather than complete um, uh, displacement. Is yeah. Way, another way to put it.
0: Yeah, and and kind of you know the what we tr- typically call behind the meter, you know that when you're talking about property developers, it's it it's also displacing copper, right?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And behind the meter, what we've looked at is just miles of pipe across the you know currently there's you know what is it uh, 1.8 million miles of um, wastewater pipe and 2.2 2 million miles of drinking water pipe. Behind the meter is a different story. I mean, I think you're exactly right. They're definitely going with plastic.
0: Yeah. Um, and and I, I'm curious about the geographical issue you identified. You know, you kind of said at least some communities or cities in the northeast are sticking with ductile. So where is it? Is it cities in, in warmer climates that are more likely to switch to uh, plastic? And does that have anything to do with kind of the freeze-thaw cycle?
2: Temperature definitely is one of the concerns about plastics that, that has an impact on environmental factors. So, to, you know, whether it could be in colder climates, if, depending on how it's installed in colder climates, it may be a, a bigger issue. I think our geographic distribution, at least in our forecast model, shows that actually, you know, it's kind of the high-growth states, places like Colorado, Nevada, Arizona, um, those Florida. Um, those are states that there's a lot of new build happening. Those are the fastest growing states, some of you know, some of the fastest growing states in the U.S. And as a result, if if growth is driven by new build, and new build is partly or largely driven by property developers, then they're going to go with the cheapest upfront capital cost, And that's going to be the plastics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is there any, um, did, did I'm, I'm curious about what building codes and plumbing codes are doing for this industry, you know, because like we mentioned Andrew Welton at the top and he, his big concern isn't so much like structural integrity or things like that. I think right. his, his, his was kind of like what, what's in those plastics that's potentially leaching into the into the pipes and, and kind of one of the things was, you know, with, with the conservation ethic, that's kind of come about the water sitting in the pipes longer and can leach more stuff. Cause it's not moving through as quickly. Uh, is, has any, um, any of your research kind of touched on that issue or, or how plumbing codes play into that? We did not This, it didn't look specifically at local plumbing codes,
2: particularly on the household side. what we did look at is we looked at, um, municipalities that actually allow large diameter PVC to be used or included in their bidding or procurement processes. Um, So we've mapped that and it's pretty wide ranging, but there are select cities. And I think the PVC trade organizations uh, have really made a big push to be included in those um, in those bidding uh, RFPs. Mm -hmm. Because in some cities, you know, like if you look at Boston, they don't even look at PVC or plastic. Um, It's just not on the radar. They use ductile and that's the way they are. The larger, older cities typically do that where you're seeing new growth, new growth areas, whether it be Sacramento down to San Diego to Albuquerque to Tucson to Tulsa to Houston. There's a lot of new growth happening there in plastics Uh, are being included i think you know went back to that your point about building clothes and plastic and health concerns i think that is an ongoing concern there are a lot of studies about that i think there's no love lost between these two uh, you know groups of whether it be i'll call them the metal players versus the plastic players um they go head to head and they're they're battling in the front you know one of the front lines is exactly that is you know new pipe installations and you know because there are a lot of questions one of the health concerns but also the structural integrity what lasts longer also just energy efficiency the ductile iron guys will say that hey our pipes are you know they're thinner right and so the inner diameter you know so that it takes less energy to pump water through ductile iron versus plastic because the plastics need to be thicker um and so on and so forth so that being said admittedly i you know i live in an old house my house where i live is my building i think it was built in 1880 um and it's been rebuilt and even in addition onto to where i live when i go on vacation like we were in maine last week for a week i get home i do turn the water on and let it run for about a minute before i start drinking it for what that's worth
0: yeah Interesting. All right. Well, great, it, Reese. Always fantastic talking to you. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you again next month. All right, Dave. Hopefully it'll be spring, but I do <laughs> All right. We'll see you then. All right, see ya. Bye. As always, Reese does a great job with Bluefield on tap and filling us in on some of the uh, interesting trends in the water industry. Uh, now it's time for our feature interview with Brian Iverson of Symbria Capital. So let's get that water flowing and learn a little private equity in the water sector. Hello, Brian. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Um, thanks, David. I appreciate you um, uh, having an interest in, in our company, and I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I've wanted to, to get someone on to talk about private equity, venture capital, that kind of thing, for a while. I know I've talked to, to some other folks in the industry, uh, but this – I think our conversation today is going to be a little more targeted um, – from a uh, from from what private equity looks at in terms of of the water sector, but for, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. Could you, uh, Brian, provide us a little bit about your background uh, in in terms of how you got here uh, into the water sector?
1: Yeah, i will be happy to. Um, I'll start out with telling you that I'm from Denmark, so I do still carry an accent, so I apologize up front. Um, but I spent last 20 years of my life here in United States. Uh, and I, before I came here, I have a little bit of military ex- experience as an officer in the Danish army. Uh, my education is in accounting and finance, so I'm a business guy. I'm not technical, and I'm not technical by background. Um, I spent uh, about 15 years in, in private equity, including eight years in a, a side private equity firm out of New York City. Um, and then I, before I started Symbria, the firm that we run today, I had a, a two, three-year period of time where I was a turnaround CEO for a company in Canada. So I'm, I'm a business guy, and I ended up um, being focused uh, in not only in private equity, but from an industry-specific uh, view in water and agriculture. Um, so that's why I am today. We run two businesses. Uh, we have a consulting firm that I founded alongside a couple of individuals uh, focused in water, agriculture, and renewable energy. And then we founded a growth equity, a private equity firm uh, named Simbria Capital. Uh, and, I, and that's the company
0: I run day to day. Terrific. Well, first off, you don't need to apologize for your accent. That's not a, that's not a problem. We're, we're happy to have you on. In, in fact, I've, you're the second Danish guest we've had on. So uh, no, no worries there. Uh, what can, I'd like to little, do a little follow-up on, that, on your background. What drew you to the water sector? What, why, why did you get here?
1: I didn't have, it it was not a, I was definitely not coming from the perspective that I needed to change the world and make things better. I'm very happy to participate in things that that will do all of those things. But when we looked at where would we uh, target an investment mandate when we started Symbria, we we, uh, decided that water and agriculture are two of the industries that are are, are ripe for change. Uh, So it was almost entirely something we did from a financial view that we saw an ability to, to make investors happy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm sure we're going to get into, uh, what those opportunities you saw were, but before we do what I'd I'd like to explore Symbria's role in the water sector, you know, how, what, what role do you see it filling, uh, in, in the water cycle, in the water system
1: or mostly looking at small or mid-sized companies in the space, all private companies, who's looking for growth capital or expansion capital. So we will be in a a helping hand, if you will, not only with uh, capital, but also with the team that we bring. For most small companies or mid-sized companies who's looking to grow further or is changing slightly direction or have to change because the industry around them is changing, they will oftentimes need or could use assistance. And those are the companies that we will tie ourselves to. So we will, with our investors' money, show up and become a hopefully significant part of uh, the private company that's looking for that type of kind of growth. And then we show up both with with money and a helping hand. And I'll, I'll speak a little bit more to the helping hand in a moment. Sure. Um, so I mean, there's, there's a couple of things I wanna to add to why we are in water. Uh, if, if, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'd because love to hear, I'd love to I, learn. Because I think, I think sometimes the, the water industry is in some sense, I don't know if it's misunderstood, but it's clearly a space that from an investment perspective is a little bit new. And, and one thing I would, would love to speak about, at least for a brief second, uh, relates to uh, the fact that um, Larry Fink uh, recently uh, Larry Fink uh, is the BlackRock CEO. So the, they are money managers at the highest of caliber, you know, billions of dollars. And and in his recent annual letter, he spoke about climate change and the fact that the world of finance and investment, investing is changing due to these changes we see in our environment. And water clearly comes under that umbrella. What The reason why I bring it up is really because you asked about why are we interested in water and, and my firm's interest in water? What, what Larry brings up around him thinking that the world is changing, and when I listen to him speaking to it when CNBC interviewed him, I mean, I'm, I'm happy he's, he's shown up with that statement. It can't, you know, I can't help smiling because I feel like the, what he refers to as his epiphany is something that I believe has been around for a long time. Uh, but what he's sta- stating is that the world is changing, investing is changing, and therefore because businesses are changing, it's because they will, they're reacting to a new environment. Um, and, and that's really the transition that we're investing into, and that's where we see that opportunity. I'm happy that Larry's making this statement because it's really proof that it's becoming mainstream. Because we've spent quite a few years now second-guessing if these changes are truly coming. When he's saying it, frankly, when he's allowing himself to say it, uh, that means it's mainstream, and I and I think it's just proof that those of us were, who were before him um, uh, were going in
0: the right direction. Sure, sure. Well, uh, that that's a great segue into kind of where we were going to uh, go next in terms of what what do you see as the current uh, market and market structure in 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 the water space? I mean, it's obviously changing, uh, right? But w- w- what w- what do you see? Uh, out there in the market now.
1: Well, I mean, I'm, when I'm looking at the water space, b- b- because the reason why people don't fully understand it and appreciate it, it's many times related to f- to the fact that it that's, that's a government piece of it that is that seems and in many times a little more significant in in some other industries. I think it's important to underscore that any industry has. A governmental influence, nobody's you know, in, in, entirely free from that, so it's not entirely new. But I think what scares certain people from away from, or at least gives, provides some hesitance to investors <coughs> stepping into water, um, I think it's, it's because of the governmental piece of it. So I think, and I think that's, that conclusion is not wrong, I mean, and, and we're very aware of it. But when I look at the structure of the water industry, um, and when I speak of it, I mean, first of all, I think of it as being, a, in some sense, an unacknowledged industry or, or even a forgotten industry because it's, it's been around. We have clean water almost any room we walk into, at least in the part of the world that where you and I live. And, and that's a big industrial effort over, over many, many years that has created the ability for us to do so. So the industry's there, but we've kind of forgotten about it. It's a commodity-based industry. There is sectors to the industry in a similar way as you would see in any other commodity-driven industry. So there's an upstream, there's a downstream, there's a midstream, there's a service component. And when, when I look at the, the water industry, I look up and down and across those, that value stream with the purpose of looking for investor, investable companies and opportunities. And they exist. There's clearly certain places where it's less interesting and there's certain places where it's more interesting. But to me, my view and, and approach to the water industry is very similar to the one I've had when I have invested in <coughs> commodity driven industries. Um, so, so, so I think it's a little misunderstood, frankly.
0: Uh, you, you you've mentioned a lot of lot of, lot in there. I'm I'm curious about the the market segments, just so that the listener can have an idea. Um, uh, what we're talking about in terms of you mentioned upstream, downstream, midstream and service industry. Could you give an example from from each one of those so just so the the listener kinda gets it a a picture of what you're talking about in their mind?
1: Yeah, I mean I will give an example for one of the sectors that I, I liked the most from an investment perspective. First first of all, water is a lot more than a commodity. I mean if you if you think about in in oil and gas investment, it's really any company that it relates to and do business that relates to, to that commodity stream, uh, and the same is true about correct about water. Um, I like the service industry. I mean, I like anything from I mean anything that makes the resource use more efficient, which is many times service companies doing it from from high tech to medium tech down to the drilling company that may be drilling for for water um, and. And and maybe this is a good time to also mention the price of water because that's another issue and worry people have about investing into the water industry. It is that that the, the commodity, water as a commodity is priced in some sense on socialistic terms because it's the government that says the price and we are extraordinarily worried about increasing that price because there's a human rights piece to it. And there definitely is, but it doesn't mean that the service companies whose Servicing the pipe, drilling for water, making sure we have clean water on a continuous basis at the right location. those service companies are out there working every single day, and they make money and and, and most of them are private companies um, and, and, and that 's that's why I like it and By the way, I, and I think we should talk a little bit more about the water price maybe in a moment, but mean not only my expectation, my firm belief is that the price of water will only go one, in one direction and that allows for more service companies and other companies to fl- flourish. And that's where we want to participate.
0: If, if, if investors are worried about price as a commodity, how do, how do you get comfortable uh, uh, you know, with that? How, how are the service companies uh, dealing with, with that, uh, that issue of price uh, and the commodity nature of water?
1: To it. I mean one of them is that the service company doesn't really doesn't, doesn't only rely, rely, rely on excuse me on the price of water. They rely on the fact that we need water. So it's by, it, the, 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 what's very unique about what's truly unique about water as a commodity as an industry is the demand side is really not flexible. At least not when you get to a certain point. We need water. So and we need water more or less all the time everywhere where people live. So the, the demand side requires us to have water there, and, and the service companies will rely on that fact, not, not, not really on the price of water itself. So there's a binary piece to the water demand that will create um, a need for service companies, and we live, by the way, it, again I'm ref- referencing most of this part of the world, we live in a, in, in a part of the world where infrastructure is getting very old and it's, you know, in, in some sense falling apart. Uh, and we are behind on those repairs, and we are behind on making the system the system more efficient. So, so, so whether or not the water price is quote unquote accurate, accurate and right, the service companies will need to run very, very fast to ensure that water is available to all of us. So, 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 so it's important to, for me to, in, uh, as an investor, to lean into and invest into private companies that. Well, we know that they will get paid so but that's always the case that's really not new um so i, I don't i don't in, and again the price the price of water whether we like it or not we should only expect it to go up and by the way in between you and i david said with a smile we we want it to go up because if we don't start um caring for and appreciating water as a commodity we will only get further behind and there will be true panic the moment that we don't appreciate for, for the water because when it's not there, we will feel it immediately.
0: Right, right. Now, uh, Cimbria is not the first, you know, uh, VC firm that is, uh, is focused on water. So how, wh- how, how do you think venture capital is doing in, in the water sector?
1: I think I'll mention up front, I, I, we are not a venture capital firm. Uh, the risk return profile of the investments that we enter into, the ones we review, is a little later stage, uh, and there's a reason for that. Uh, and, and a big part of that reason is I think that the, the typical or normal venture capital approach doesn't fully work in, in water. And I, and I, you know, I regret to say that I think there's a lot of proof in the marketplace of venture capital firms who, who has approached water and water related investment in a typical in the same way as they have done in other industries and it has mostly failed um, and and the reason for that at least in my view and i've actually written uh, a piece of this that i shared not that long ago that got Quite a bit of momentum because I think there's agreement in the market that this is different for venture capital. Venture capital and the approach of venture capital is usually to take, take high risk you know, bets, if you will, um, so high risk return profile type investment opportunities. They will expect that some of them will um, disappear, they will have a loss in those investments, but then they will also expect that they will have certain investments where they get a very high multiple, very high. Profit on those investments. I think the higher end of that scale, the the five to ten exit multiples, doesn't exist in water and the water industry, and and we can talk about more that just in a second. But since you, as an an venture capitalist, is is needing that to get the whole equation to work, because you take high risk and you lose a couple, um, and you don't get the, the the upside deal, then it doesn't work. So I think a lot of VC firms have failed yeah uh, and we, we're shying away from it, so, so what Cymbria is doing is we look at something a slightly later stage, we, we, ha- we will add more patience so we don 't expect um, rapid rapid growth, which is required for some of those high return um, investment opportunities. So we are in our risk return profile of what we seek is more typical for private equity, and I think that 's at least where we want to be because I think that 's where we can serve our investors. Correctly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so why, what, so private equity, why is, uh, or, or how is private equity doing in, in the water sector right now? I mean, what, what, when you kind of sit back from your perch in the, in the sector, how, what, what do you see out there in terms of private equity?
1: The, f- the first comment is there's, there's not a lot of it. It's, 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 it's still quite new um, uh, because investors are still figuring out how to position themselves and how to, Deal with with water as an and an in, as an industry or an investment niche. So, so, there's not a lot of good examples. However, uh, if you want to find examples of of companies that are growing because of because this is really an infrastructure related play, that you, there's plenty of the, there's plenty of small to medium sized companies who are growing fast, running fast, and will continue to grow because, as I mentioned a couple of times already, we're behind an infrastructure. So private equity, fairly typical approach, risk return profile as private equity would would do and take elsewhere, um, I believe, and I think we're seeing it already, it's working really well. I mean, there's one example of a a, um, partner company of ours. It's it's Florida drilling. A South Florida water drilling company that's doing many things be beyond just drilling. But those are, that's a management team who is, in my view, the best of what they do. And, and they have grown tremendously over the last three, four, five years because municipalities and private companies is leaning towards them to ensure that they have what they need. And having what they need means water um, for the municipality or for the company that they manage um, and, and and that they, they are returning uh, private equity type growth and everybody's happy and there's plenty of those, those, those both investment opportunities and companies uh, in the marketplace today.
0: Yeah, and that's the second time you've kind of brought up the team and I I want to bring that up because that is such an important element of private equity is the management team and and how that, can you talk a little bit about about why the management team is so important and and you know how that facilitates the the investment
1: yeah so so this, the management team of the portfolio company itself is really what we're investing into i think there's two pieces to it from from our view and from our investors view those investors that sit behind me um, the management team itself I and mean, when we're looking for companies we really I mean we're looking for The right business model and that's actually what comes first and and not everybody sees it that way but we're looking for the right business model and and when we when we find somebody where we believe that they are pursuing the right business model so the right way of making money the right way of grow to grow uh, a business model where they know they have paying customers and there'll be more of it that's when we will do diligence and make sure okay there has to be obviously technology required to carry that business model as well as the management team, and those are the people that are that are the true experts um, in what we do. Uh, those are the ones who are knowers, who ha- who has the ability to make change in specific industry niches. So the management team for us, and most people would say this is very important. I just always make sure that those managers are chasing the right business, the, the right business model, because even good managers can go wrong if they're chasing, the, they have the wrong approach. My team, and and this may be a a, a good time to mention us as investors, because since we deal with and invest mostly in smaller to medium sized companies and growing companies, almost in every single case we're dealing with companies and management teams of those companies who are absolutely good at what they do, but it'll also be things they haven't done yet, they don't have time for, or they they don't know how to do. Symbria's investment team, Will show up and this is what i referred to when i uh, mentioned our hands-on approach earlier i mean we we call it the acceleration program it's really just our way of saying we will be heavy participants even day to day with these portfolio companies so in addition to showing up with an investment so capital we will also show up with a team that can bolster and improve and help and even take over full work streams for those portfolio, portfolio companies with the purpose of ensuring that we get to where we wanted to get to. Um, and therefore, that's the way we ensure the, the appropriate return to our investors.
0: Yeah, and th- that sounds like a lot like like expert capital you're bringing.
1: Um, I I always, I'm a little fearful of, of referring to at least myself <laughs> uh, as, as expert, but it, um, I definitely have a team and people behind me and next to me that, who are true experts uh, in both business and technology and bringing one or two of those individuals into an existing team of, of experts because of what I just said is the management team of the company is really the true expert in, in this equation. Yes, we try to be those guys who will add value and our investment approach is also in a, it's set up in a way that we really only want to invest if we know we can add value. We would, you would rarely find us showing up investing and then just see, the, see us on the sideline. I mean, we're going to be in there. We're going to get our hands dirty. Because that's how we know or we increase the, the chance of doing exactly what we told our investors that we would do. But you're welcome to call us, expert,
0: David. I mean, I'm not going to take that away but... And 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 so uh, I, I, we've kind of been talking around. That maybe I came into this sideways, but ESG—you often hear about ESG investing and things like that. Do do you have elements of that? I mean, I think you've answered a little bit of that, but do you have? Can you talk about the ESG components of, of what you look for when you invest?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I, um, I mean, first, I'll kind of I think I'll take the term impact investing off the table because I think it's overused and and become a buzzword that means less and less. So we we don't think of ourselves as impact investors. I mean, I I know what it means. It's meant to mean positive impact, but I also think it's been diluted because it's thrown around more often than it probably should. I believe in resiliency. I think resiliency, investing, anything that can make us better at facing the future and a changing environment around us, including climate change. I think resiliency is a good term, and it is a buzzword, but I think it means something. I also think sustainability means something. Um, And both of those are are closely related to ESG, Uh, because ESG, to me, means that you you need to make sure you improve the world we live in, even when you run businesses, or, or maybe because you're running businesses and because you're making investments. Um, So to us, ESG is important. Um, Some of it is very natural, because we are in water and agriculture, and almost everything we see is is something that is moving the world in the right direction. Because most of the things that are interesting from an investment perspective in those two industries relate to efficiencies. It's really how to deal with resource in a better way. Shorten the distance from where it comes from, to the end user, make sure we don't waste it along the way. And that happens with monitoring lots of new technologies. So we're kind of lucky. I think it's very simple for us to say we're focused on ESG. We don't take it lightly, but it comes natural to the industries we touch.
0: Yeah, And and so when, when you're out there looking at the types of companies, uh, the, the various subsectors of the water sector, uh, you know, what, what are you looking for, um, in, 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 you know, what, what do you what what do you think is ripe for investment?
1: I, I mean, first off, we we don't do water rights. I think there's a, a human rights piece to water rights that I don't claim to 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 want to be part of. Um, uh, so, human right, uh, the human rights issues around water rights is really one of the couple of reasons why water rights is not something that falls inside of, of our mandate. Almost everything else that touches the water value chain will fall inside of our mandate. And um, there's maybe a little bit of a blurry answer, but the most accurate one is we are very opportunistic. It could be anywhere in that value chain. What we look for, first and foremost, are business models where the management team have found a way to benefit from the changes that we are all (laughs) facing um, in society around the water industry. Uh, so it could be a lot of things. Um, I also, and I said this previously, I really like places where I know that we as a team, so Symbria's team, can add value. So if I know there's one, two, or three places in the equation for a specific investment opportunity when I get, where I can show up with my team and add something, that, that, that makes me a more, more of a likely investor because it, it is one step closer to the return I'm looking for. I mentioned before, I like serve, I mean That's some of the part of our recipe. Me, you know, I'm saying this with a smile. I don't want to share. But <laughs> I, I do like service companies. I, mean, I, I, I like a lot of the incumbents. I mean, one of the things that I, that I think is overdone, is investing in, in individuals and companies that are brand new, and who is setting out to disrupt one of our older industries. I'm not against disruption, but I just. I prefer to invest in teams who are 100% knowledgeable about the industry they disrupt. And too often, or sometimes, people who are trying to disrupt, they don't have the full knowledge of what they're disrupting. And in most of those cases, they'll overreach, or at a minimum believe they can make changes quicker than what is actually possible. So, I like to invest and management teams and companies who's already in the industry, but who just has a full understanding of certain things that can be changed and that could be improved. Because if those people tell me that they can make a change, it's a lot more believable because they have lived in, as an incumbent in the industry that are changing. That's so, so, so I think the, the bottom line, David, is we're fairly opportunistic. We're looking for value plays. Um, and I think that's the, to us, I mean, I'm obviously biased, I think that's the best approach. To um, to invest in water at least currently.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I I was recently at a uh, partner development program for my firm, and and I was paired up uh, during some of the activities with one of our private equity guys, and I I said I kind of mentioned that I was going to be talking to you, and you know, what should I, what do I need to know about private equity, and 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 he kind of echoed the same thing that you said: is management team is everything. You know, you, you got to have a, a management team that is invested uh, in in the well being of the company. You can't have like a family that's that's wanting to just sell and get out because then you're not investing in anything. And that sounds a lot like what what you're looking for is is you're looking for the team that that has the subject matter expertise in the field and that you can you can help them provide you can provide the capital for them to take it to the next level. Is, 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 that, is that accurate?
1: I mean all of that's right. I mean I'll still um, um, underscore that Know, good management teams and good people um, are getting their butts whooped all the time by the wrong business model. So it's very important that those good guys, those people are, are pursuing a business model that, that we all believe that can work and that is fitting in the current environment. Uh, and then the, the curious thing about people, because I think the, uh, one thing that we say all the time in private equity is that you need the right management team that's accurate, obviously, um, with, without a doubt. It, it's more about what is the right management team. And I've spent most of my career, including my time as an officer in the Danish military, um, looking at people and trying to figure out you know, how do you know quickly if he or she is the right guy or gal for a specific task. And it's hard to do. Um, so, and, I, and the bottom line is you know, good people are good people. So there's simply certain people or certain individuals who, who will not give up and will continue to work for the cause, for the mission, even if they run into headwinds. And we at Cymbria um, are spending a lot of time up front trying to ensure that those are the type of individuals that we bring onto our team by them being our management team. Because some of the other boxes, David, and I'm getting a little bit in the weeds, but some of the other boxes, the private equity guys usually are checking, including have they invested their own capital? Have they done this and that before? I mean, it's relevant, but it's not as relevant as I think we tell each other. Whether a manager have invested his or her own money into a investment and his or her own investment is rarely the differentiator between somebody who's gonna be there even at a headwind. Um, so so, so we're very aware of it. Spending spending a lot of time figuring out that we are teaming up with the right individuals.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Florida... It's not a simple task. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. You mentioned Florida drilling earlier. Do you have other examples uh, from Symbia's portfolio that, that can kind of illustrate this point? Yeah, I
1: mean, I want to mention a, a company that also illustrates how wide we we reach when we think about investment opportunities, what we do. So we also invested in a company named AMI Global. And AMI Global is an IIoT company, or Industrial Internet of Things. Um, so they are connectivity experts, and they're focused in uh, pumps, motors, and drives. So it's it's efficiency. It's control, management of, of resource, really. And in that case, we, we were lucky enough to meet... Um, a, what I would describe initially as a very strong engineering team with um, a business approach and a business model that when we met them, had just turned into something we really liked. Um, and I would, if you pulled me aside, I'd probably say that we may have assisted with some of that. But but in that case, we dealt with individuals that even though it's an, it has, there's been plenty of bumps on that road, we've been investing in this company for more than four years, the people on board were so close to us, we worked so well with them, and in spite of headwinds that we have had together, um, nobody ever gave up. And frankly today we are, couldn't be more happy, both about the team, the business, what they're doing when it comes to financial results, and what we believe would be our financial result uh, a little down the road. Um, but that's a tech company, so, and that's, that is closer to what other people would refer to as as venture capital, what we saw in this tech company was an ability to help with organization, team members, and business model, and and by applying some of the things that Simbri has in that we have in our tool belt, uh, along with the, the truest version of technical expertise we had on the management team, we have. Uh, we haven't in in some sense moved the mountains and we're very
0: happy with it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you know, Brian, you've been absolutely fantastic today. I, I have learned so much and I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, do you have like a kind of a leave behind message or is there anything I have not asked you that you think is important to, to get across to the listener? You
1: know, I have to think about that. I think you did a very good job. Uh, Well, Well, I I think if it's, I think if, some, you know, if people want to know more about us, uh, investors and companies that may seek um, guys like us and give us a call yeah uh, we're fairly easy to find um, I, and I, the, the one thing I, I want us, our people to remember about us is that we are a lot more than money. We are a group of guys to go to work for the companies we invest into and who um, generally are doing everything we can to live up to ex- investors expectations and by the way we 're touching a couple of industries that are changing and, and and that are very cool. And um, and, and, and maybe one thing I want to say, David, is that we we, <laughs> we live in a world that is transitioning. I um, mean, I personally believe that the wealth transfer that we're currently seeing uh, and we will see over the next 10, 20 years is um, without comparison to anything the world has ever seen. And it's a wealth transfer that, that, that goes from those who are willing and able to participate in in um, transformation and change from from those who who maybe are less ready to do so, um, and I think we are an example of somebody who's doing our absolute best to to participate in in some of the new and better things. The way we can run industry today, the way we can deal with resource in a much better way, because we can. We have the abilities technology ability to do so and it's happening with or without us uh, we're just making sure we're getting on the train
0: yeah yeah um you kind of alluded to where people can go and find you but could you just uh uh provide you know your website or however however folks ought to be looking for you if they'd like more information about cimbria capital and yourself
1: yeah look, look for cimbria capital the um, website site is simple cimbriacapital.com And then um, um, search on our name on LinkedIn. We have plenty of information there as well. And and if you find a phone number, give us a call.
0: Yeah. And Cimbria is C-I-M-B-R-I-A. Yep, C-I-M-B-R-I-A. All right. Well, Brian, again, thank you very much for your time. Great speaking with you. And I look forward to the next time we chat.
1: Thanks, David. Much appreciated.
0: You bet. Bye. What a terrific interview that Brian gave. Uh, I couldn't be I couldn't be happier uh, with his how he went about explaining things, giving detailed examples of companies they've invested in. You know, and, and and you know, without giving away kind of the secret sauce. You know, kind of the check the box stuff that, that private private equity looks at. I thought he did a tremendous job of pulling back the curtain on on what they look for uh, in 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 the industry. Uh, well, you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag water values. You can tweet at me using my handle, which is at DTM one nine nine three. You can email me at David dot at Dentons dot com. And you can sign up for the newsletter at bluefieldresearch.com dot com forward slash podcast dash two. You can also find show notes uh, at that that website as well. Thank you again for tuning in. And again, a huge, huge, huge thank you to our great sponsors. Again, those sponsors are Ziptility in Terra Xylem, the American Water Works Association, and Black and & Veatch. Really appreciate their, their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship. So thank you so much to Ziptility, Terra Xylem, the American Water Works Association, and Black and & Veatch. Well, in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it.
2: the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me.
0: Well, thank you for tuning in to The Disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else. Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.